0: A doctor was asked by his patient who had met with a serious accident, Doctor, how long shall I have to lie here? The answer, only one day at a time. The doctor's word taught the patient a valuable lesson. It's the same lesson that God has in his word for us as well. Just one day at a time. We're going through some difficult times and if you try to look too far forward to tomorrow, to a week from now, or a month from now, or two months, or how long this thing is going to last, it can get discouraging. But what we have to do is realize now, as in all times in our Christian lives, that it's just one day at a time. The lesson for us is, if we're faithful to God in a short time, in a short day, we can be faithful to Him in the long term as well. But we, as human beings, always ask ourselves, how long, Lord, is this going to last? How long do I have to remain sheltered in place in my home? How long do I have to till we can go back to church again, back to the regular meetings on Sunday morning, Monday night, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, Friday nights? How long before I can go back to school? How long before I can go back to work? Will I even have a a work to go back to, a job to go back to? How long before I can go out and have fun again and go out to restaurants and public places without restrictions? How long before I can return to my normal activities? And not this, what we call in in the news now, the new normal, We want to go back to the old normal. But we may never be able to go back in that sense. The headline in our local newspaper yesterday was, Homebound for how long? You know, David asked the same question. The same questions in Psalm 13 verses 1 and 2 when he said these words, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? How long, O Lord, having sorrow in my heart daily, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? We don't know how long, but we trust the Lord, and He does know how long. And that's why we need to trust Him. The title of our message today is, We Need Patience. You know, we've all heard that expression, and it's used many times, pack your patience. Well, we need to pack our patience, but because we can't leave our homes, we can't take it with us. We need to have patience. It's needed more and more in these troublous and difficult times, because the times in which we're living are uncertain. They're unknown and they're unprecedented. We talked last week about the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We talked last week about how we need this peace in everything that we go through. And today is also a practical lesson that we need patience. I need patience. You need patience. We need patience every day. The word patience is defined as accepting a difficult situation without giving God a deadline to remove it. Isn't that so true? So many times we want to give God deadlines to remove the trials and difficulties we're going through. Instead of asking for God to, put a, to, to solve it in a certain time frame, we need to pray Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the prayer that we need. We can't put restrictions on the Lord. We can't just say, Lord, here's my check. Just sign it, Lord. I'll fill in the amount. I'll do all the rest. You just have to sign it. God doesn't work that way. He's not like a genie that you rub the lamp and and the genie gives you three wishes or whatever. God is not like that. He's the sovereign God of the universe. He knows all things. He has all power. He's in control. He's on His throne. We need to trust Him for what is best for us. He knows better than we do. And we need to put our confidence in Him. The three things we're going to look at today is, first of all, patience waits on God. God. Number two, patience works for God. And number three, patience wears on for God. May God bless his word to our hearts this morning. You know, David had a lot of patience. He had to. He had to by experience. And he wrote in Psalm 27 and verse 1, Wait on the Lord and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Yes, we need to trust the Lord. David was the rightly anointed king of Israel. After Saul had disobeyed the Lord as the first king, God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse to anoint one of his sons to be king in the place of Saul. All the sons appeared before Samuel, but none of them were the right choice. And then finally, there was one more son, and his name was David. He was a shepherd boy out in the field, And he came in, and Samuel anointed him as king over Israel. But guess what? He didn't become king right away. He had to wait patiently for God's timing. He had to wait for God to deal with Saul. God took the life of Saul on the battlefield against the Philistines. David had his chances over and over in several different times that he could have killed Saul, He could have sent one of his men to kill him there in the caves and and where they were out in the wilderness. But he didn't do it. He says, I won't lift up my hand against God's anointed. God will deal with him. And God did deal with him. And later on when Absalom, David's own son, usurped the kingdom from David and took over and threatened David to kill him, David had to leave the kingdom, leave Jerusalem, and go with his mighty men across the plains of the Jordan and the waters of the Jordan. Then it was a sad time, but David waited patiently. And then finally, after Saul was dead, David took over the kingdom of Judah and ruled over Judah. But still, even then, he didn't rule over all Israel until later on. And then... He took over the right throne of Israel and ruled. It took patience. God developed patience in the heart and life of David through the trials and experiences he went through. And through his writings in the Psalms, and through his writings in the scriptures, we find lessons that we can learn about patience as well. Someone once said, don't force issues. Learn to wait and be patient. And it's a hard lesson to learn because we want things to happen right away. We want circumstances to be changed right away. We want things to improve right away. We want them to happen now. But God has another plan. Someone else said, patience is the best remedy most trouble. And it really is. We have to be patient, very patient. A man named Fred Scott wrote this beautiful poem on waiting on the Lord. He said, wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, thou contrite one. In penitence draw near. He will his pardoning grace bestow your cry for mercy here. Wait on the Lord, thou tempted one, beset by hosts of sin. Sufficient will be his grace be found, the victory to win. Wait on the Lord, thou weary one, when cares of life oppress. In him find every need supplied, in him find quietness. Wait on the Lord, thou saddened one. That grief and sorrow knows His promises are ever sure. Excuse me. That grief and sorrow knows He shares the measure of your need. His heart with love overflows. Wait on the Lord in confidence and expectation wait. His promises are ever sure. His mercy truly great. You'll never be disappointed when you wait on the Lord. Never Be disappointed, because God comes through at the right time with the right resources for us. And when we do that and trust in Him, it always works out for the best. But God works while we wait. And we wait while God works. And those two things go hand in hand. Someone once said, true patience is waiting without worrying. Now, I'm the first to admit, I wait, but sometimes I worry too. And that is not right, because we should not worry. We should wait without worrying. We should wait without complaining. And that's difficult for us to do. The Lord knows our thoughts. He knows our frame. He knows that we are but dust. And He loves us. He knows when we get afraid. He knows when we go through troublous times. He knows how we're feeling. He feels with us. And He feels for us. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5, it tells us, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the finest example of patience. Can you imagine how many people pressed against him, came to hear him, and it was non-stop from morning, early morning, to late at night. And then he'd go up to the mountain and pray to the Father. It was amazing. His schedule was busier than any of our schedules. And he was patient with people. He never turned anyone away. He healed them. He helped them. He encouraged them. And it was a beautiful thing. And we can learn from his example of patience. Just as God is patient with us, we should be patient also with others. A 2006 survey of 1,000 adults discovered that most people take an average of 17 minutes to lose their patience while waiting in line 17 minutes sadly to think i think i've lost mine before 17 minutes and also most people lose their patience in only 9 minutes while on hold on the phone you know if If you're trying to ever reach a government agency, like a state of California agency or anything like that, believe me, it's going to take more than nine minutes. I've been on the phone with them, because I've had to reach these state agencies for different things, and sometimes it's been over an hour, and sometimes, one time it was close to two hours that I was waiting on hold to get through. Patience. We need patience. But sadly, impatience is the opposite of patience, and it's a very common trait in our society today. People are not patient. We as believers need to be patient, first of all, by waiting on the Lord. Waiting on it for His timing, because He knows best. Secondly, patience works for God. You know, life doesn't stop for anyone or anything or any virus. Life still has to go on. Now, it may seem right now that life has come to a grinding halt because of this coronavirus. We're sheltered in place in our homes. We can't go where we want to go. We can't do what we want to do. We feel constricted. Uh, We need... Patience, because it is a difficult situation. But we can't stop living. We're still living. We have to live. We have to eat. We have to sleep. We have the basic needs of life. We still have our families to care for and things of this nature. And as we always hear this popular expression, when life hands you a bunch of lemons, we need to make a pitcher of lemonade. And people today, you see it on the news, you see it in the newspapers, people are making the best of the situation. And one of the silver linings of this situation is it's bringing people together, and people are responding to what they should be doing and doing the right thing. And what I thought was really cool was a number of young people who went out shopping for their older neighbors who were more, exposed to the coronavirus, it's more serious than older people. And so they would go to the older person's house, they would buy the groceries first, they would bring them, and they would show them on the news, delivering them to the people's house. It was so encouraging. And people helping people, people praying for people. We need it. We need that patience. And we need to continue on. Only God can take a negative and turn it into a positive. Only God can bring streams in the desert. Only God can take ashes and turn them into beauty. Only God can do that. We all love Romans 8:28, And it's a verse, it's a life verse for me. It's a life verse for many of us. We've memorized it. We've meditated on it. We've studied it. It's been a blessing over the years. And we need it. It's like a vitamin pill. And it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called, according to His purpose. It's a blessing to know that God is the one who is working together these things for the good, but only for the believers. The unbelievers, they have no silver linings and good that they can really see from it. It looks all negative to them, but God has a purpose for our lives. He has a plan for our lives. He's going to work it out according to his will. And this is a promise. We can count on it that God is going to work all things together for the good. You know, a number of years ago, they had a series of movies on Rocky Balboa and the whole Rocky series, and it was always amazing to me, Rocky would get into the ring, and he wasn't a very tall man, and he wasn't really the strongest, and I don't think he was the smartest, but he would get into the ring with these big, tall, strong opponents, and always seemed to be, in the beginning of the fight, the opponent was just hitting Rocky unmercifully, just battering him, lefts and rights and uppercuts and and just blows to the body and blows to the face and he would get bloodied and beaten and bruised and he'd keep going round after round after round until his opponent got tired and Rocky got his second wind and he would always come back strong at the end and he'd knock out his opponent. We've been knocked down, but we've not been knocked out. Rocky would sometimes get knocked down, but he never once got knocked out. It's important for us, as Christians, to hang in there, to keep fighting, to keep battling, to not give up, to be a godly example. As individuals and as a nation, we need to come together and we need to stand strong. We're in a spiritual fight, and we're fighting against a powerful foe in the devil, and we can only defeat him through the power of God and through the armor of God. Life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And when we look back on our lives and this coronavirus, it's just going to be one little blip on the radar screen, one little short period of time in our lives that we went through this, but the lessons that we will have learned will be for our whole lives. It really will. Thank God, though we are sheltered in place in our homes, God has still seen fit to give us telephones, whether they're landlines, which not too many people have anymore, or cell phones. And even though we can't meet together as in a church, I'm looking at an empty church right now, we can't Meet together as a church for Bible study and, and preaching and teaching of the word, we can pick up the phone. We can encourage one another. We can talk to one another by phone. There's, there's no restriction on that. You can't pass a virus through a phone line. Praise God that phones still work and they can still be a blessing. So that is a great thing. In James chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3, we see the results of of patience in the life of the believer. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And then it says, And let patience have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God uses trials to test our faith, to test our patience. He wants to to grow it. He wants to grow our faith. He wants to grow our patience. And he does it by adversity and hardship. And when he allows these things to come into our lives, that patience grows and it becomes a blessing in our life. We can't have patience unless we have circumstances that test and develop that patience. The same way as we talked about peace last week. We can't have peace unless we have something to have peace in the midst of. Some conflict, some difficult, some trial. It's the same way. And you know the Lord's not finished with us yet. He is the master and we are his masterpiece and he is not finished with us yet. He's the master sculptor. And he has his tools that he works on. And when he does that, he has the goal of making us Christ-like. He wants us to be changed into the image of Christ. And he does it through these difficulties. And just as a sculptor has his hammer and his chisel and he takes it out and he starts carving that rock and taking off the rough edges and making it into a beautiful sculptor, sculpture. so too God is doing that in our lives. And for us it's painful, but it has the process of being good because God is working on us. He's not stopped and he never will stop. He's not finished yet. He's got a lot more work to do. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Patience and long-suffering with joy. You know, the King James Version and the New King James Version are the only two versions of the Bible that I know of that use the the phrase long-suffering. But I love that word because it is so true. We suffer long, long long-suffering. And when you have a temper, you need to have a long fuse, not a short one. Some of us have short fuses, and we blow up, when we get upset, and we get angry. God wants us to have a long fuse that won't explode, that has patience with other people. I think about Abraham Lincoln and all that he went through during the course of the Civil War. The man developed patience. He was patient. He trusted God. He had so much sorrow in his heart to see the nations split apart, to see the North fighting against the South and... It was just so sad for him. And yet, we needed a president like Lincoln at that time. And I think today, we need a president like Trump, too, to handle the situation. Because he has to do it. He's the leader of the greatest nation on the earth. Patience works for God, and we have to keep working. We have to keep living. We have to make the best of it. We have to make our kids happy and let them have fun as much as possible and do activities and exercise and and these things so that we can can be happy and and successful. Patience. We need to have patience that waits on on the Lord. And we need to have patience that works for the Lord as well. And then, third and finally, patience works. Wears, I should say. Patience wears on for God. When you think about something wearing on, it endures, it continues. Much like Old Faithful, this geyser that produces water and this shooting up into the sky every so many minutes, it's consistent. God wants us to be consistent in our lives. Not up and down. Not like a roller coaster. Not when things are going good, we're good. But when things are going bad, we're bad. That's not it. He wants us to be consistent. He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be patient. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 15, it speaks of the the great man of God, Abraham. And it says... And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He didn't just obtain the promise, but he had to patiently endure it. And all those great men of God and all those prophets in the Old Testament and all the great women of God, they didn't receive the, the promise in their life. They, we have received the promise in Jesus Christ, and we are the ones who are blessed by it. But endurance and perseverance are strong components in patience. And we need to keep on keeping on. The Lord gives us the grace to live one day at a time, as I said. He gives us the grace to take one step at a time. And He will lead us, and He will will guide us. The world has an expression, hang in there. And it is a good one. I mean, I like the expression. It's been around for many, many years. But you can hang in there, but if you don't have the Lord, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it that way. We need the Lord. We need Him in our lives. So instead of saying, hang in there, we need to cling to the Lord. We need to hold on to Him at this time. And not let go. And thank God that even if we were to let go, He never lets go of us. Nothing in life ever comes that's of any lasting value comes quickly. It takes time. It takes patience. In fact, to make a diamond, it takes millions of years underneath the ground for that diamond to form And for the beauty of it, and for the shine of it, it takes a long time. And yet, they say that they can create a synthetic diamond in 6 to 12 weeks. But I ask you, what would you rather have, especially you ladies that love diamonds, right? Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Would you rather have one that God created underground with his natural power? Or would you rather have a synthetic one that's made in a laboratory? I think the choice is obvious. If you have your choice, you want the real thing, the real McCoy. You You don't want an imitation. You want the original. And its originals are always better than imitations. And when I think of a genuine man, a man that with a godly man, a blameless man, a holy man, I think of Job. Job is known for his patience. Whenever you hear somebody say, the patience of Job, you know that's what he is known for. He showed his mettle, showing patience and endurance. And in James chapter 5 and verse 11 it says, Indeed we count them blessed, who endure? You have heard of the perseverance of Job and have seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Here was Job, struck with trials he had never had ever in his life before. The Lord took away a lot of things he had. His children, his business, and many things, his health, He lost so much. But in all those things that Job experienced, he said this. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He never cursed the Lord. He never turned his back against the Lord. Satan was thwarted and defeated by the whole story of Job because he continued on faithfully for the Lord. You know, the Lord isn't in a hurry. He wants to do His work in us, and he's on his timetable, and His timetable is always better than ours. And in Job chapter 42 in verses 12 and 13, we see that Job's latter days were better than his beginning. It says, "Now Job blessed the la- Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than His beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Oh, what a blessing. Adolf's famous expression that he uses all the time, and it's so true, the best is yet to come. And our president was saying that. He said it lately. He said, once this thing ends, our economy is going to go up. Things are going to get better. It's going to get a lot better. The better days of the United States are ahead. It's hard, though, for us to see that right now. When you go through a war, for example, it's hard to see that things will get better. When you go through a coronavirus, it's hard to think, see, see things getting better. But they will get better. And the best is yet to come. And the best is when we really get home to heaven because that is when we will be with the Lord forever and ever. But you know, God had lessons to teach Job too. Even though he was such a godly man, he had lessons to teach him. And he said in Job there that uh, he turned these things into the good and, and he showed Job his vulnerability. He showed Job his weaknesses so that he could see God's strength and he could experience God's power. And we really believe things will get better. But you know, when we go through these situations, even after this whole coronavirus is is over with, I don't think we'll ever look at grocery stores the same again. I go to shop every Saturday normally, when we were in the old normal, and I would shop for my groceries and get... Groceries also for some family members, and so I would go every Saturday. The stores were well stocked; you could get whatever you wanted. I'd have a list, and I'd have a list from the family, and, and we'd check. I'd check it off. I'd have a little index card with the list on it, and I'd check it off, check it off, check it off. Sometimes, rarely, but sometimes the store would be out of a certain product, and I could get a different product, or I'd say, you know, or are it's out. We'll get it next time. But now you go into the grocery store and many of the shelves are empty, especially for the paper products, soap products and cleaning products and wipes and all these kinds of things. It's empty. You don't find it. People are so fearful that they're overbuying and they're trying to tell people not to do it, but they still do it out of fear. Students that used to go to school are now working from home. People that used to go to work are now working from home. And it's amazing the things that we have gotten used to in these last few days and weeks of this crisis. But God has a purpose. And I like how it says, you have heard of the perseverance of Job and have seen the end intended. And it really is, because of the words that are italicized there in the scriptures, These words were added in to make the verse make sense. But it could really be read like this. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end, the Lord. I like that. You've seen the end, the Lord. The Lord is the beginning and He's the end. He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when we trust in Him, we see that He is compassionate and merciful, very compassionate and very merciful. Sometimes though we become impatient because we've had to wait so long and because things are happening and that are difficult, we can get short with each other. We can get impatient with each other. You know, you put a bunch of people together in one room or a family all in one house and say you're sheltering in place in that house, It's easy to sometimes lose your temper. It's easy to get short with others. They say oftentimes, and it's so true, we oftentimes hurt the ones we love the most. And so we have to be very careful with these times when we're all together that we show love and patience with each other. It is so very important. The late Dr. Jowett, was in a very pitiful perplexity and consulted Dr Barry of Woolfer Hampton and he went to him to get some advice and he said what would you do doctor if you were in my place I don't know Joet I'm not there and you are not there yet either when have you to act he said on friday he then answered you will find your way perfectly clear on friday And sure enough, the Lord did not fail him. The Lord made clear on Friday what he wanted Dr. Jowett to do. So many times, we want the answer before the answer is due, before we have to make the decision. We want to know ahead of time. But God has a different plan. He lets us know at just the right time. And sometimes it's at the 11th hour, right when we're just about at our wits' end, he comes through for us. And thank God for that. Yes, God's purposes and his plans develop slowly. He's not in a hurry. He's not in a rush. We are the ones who are in a hurry, and we are the ones who are in a rush. The great New England preacher Philip Brooks suffered moments of frustration and irritability. One day his saw him feverishly pacing the floor like a caged lion, back and forth, pacing the floor, pacing the floor. And he said to him, What's the trouble, Mr. Brooks? He asked, The trouble is that I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. And that's so true. We're in a hurry, but God isn't. And when we develop patience and reliance on the Lord, we see how good it can be. Moses was one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world, not only of God's people, but over the whole world. And he led Israel out of Egypt, men, women, and children, somewhere around two million people. He had a great responsibility to be their leader, to be their example, and to teach them and to help them. But even Moses got impatient. Even Moses got irritable. Even Moses uh, took it out in the wrong way. And I can imagine how difficult it would have been to be a leader of all those people. And they're complaining, and they're murmuring, and they're grumbling. It was not easy to be their leader. And one day... When Moses was up on the mount getting the Ten Commandments and God wrote them on two tablets of stone, five commandments on each one, God said, you better get down, Moses, because the people are sinning right now. And Moses took those tablets and he was going down the mountain and he got so angry with the people. I mean, I would have got angry with them too because they were breaking the very first commandment that was on the stone tablet. You shall have no other gods besides me. You shall worship them. You shall not do that. And they were breaking the very commandments that God was giving. And Moses was frustrated. He was upset. He was angry. And he took those stone tablets and he threw them down and broke them. Moses was pretty strong. I mean, those were, those were like granite tablets that God wrote with the finger of God. They were strong. And he got so angry with the people, he he slammed them down. He was upset. God was patient, and God gave him a new set of commandments, and so they had the Ten Commandments again. But Moses got angry. He also got angry when God told him to speak to the rock, and he instead struck the rock in anger. It says very clearly God told him, speak to the rock. But what did he do? He smote the rock. He struck it in anger. And because of that one incident, God did not allow him to go into the promised land. Oh Lord, after all that he put up with the people and all the good that he did, he was the meekest man on the face of the earth, a great leader, a great example. Now he can't go into the promised land. But God says, you did not hallow me in front of the people. You did not show my holiness in front of the people. You didn't obey me in front of the people. And because of that, you cannot go in. You can see the land. I'm going to show it to you from the mountain. But you cannot go in to the land. May God help us to realize how important patience is. Patience with others. We used to sing that song... And the kids sang it when they were Randy's age and Natalie and Heather and all, Emily and all the different young ones when they used to sing the Sir Oliver song. There's a, there's a song that goes like this. Have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too. And think of all the times that others have to wait for you. You know, God is patient with us, and we should be patient with others. May the Lord help us today. We need patience. We need it more and more, especially in these days of crisis and pandemic. May the Lord help us to patiently continue our lives, to not give up, to not get frustrated, to not get discouraged, but to keep going, to keep on keeping on. And may we wait on the Lord, He wants to test and develop our patience, and we need it. We need to hang in there, yes, but we need to cling to Him even more. And when we do that, it will be a blessing. Patience waits, patience works, and patience wears. How is your patience? Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we do need patience. I need patience. We all do, Lord. Please develop that patience. Please grow it in our lives. Please help us to be a blessing and example to our kids and to others in our neighborhoods and all around us, Lord. We just confess that we are weak, but you are strong. We do not know what to do, but you do. Lord, help us to go by your timetable. Help us not to be in a hurry. Help us to know that you have a plan and a purpose, that you're going to bring good from these situations, Lord. And so we commit this time to you and thank you for our time in the Word. It's virtual, and we thank you that technology is a blessing, Lord, and we use it, and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.